I was sick this week. Anybody have a summer cold? Those are the worst. I spent Friday all, all day in bed. But, you know, Jean gives me her hocus pocus stuff. And it made me feel a lot better. If you don't know, Jean works at a holistic nutrition center and essential oils, whole food supplements. Man, I felt like I was in the hospital every hour. She'd be giving me some, eat, take this, drink that, do this. I tell you what, I felt better by Friday night. I really did. And so I'm kind of on my way back, but I might be a little fuzzy today. So excuse me if I get to be a little fuzzy. You never know what's going to come out of my mouth, right? Um, Speaking of mouth, you know, there are certain words that just drive me crazy. How about you guys? You guys got some buzzwords that drive you crazy? Just shout one out. Like. Yeah, like. I hate like, you know, like what I mean. Like. Okay, what else? And another buzzword. What's that? <laughs> so you got to say it again. I can't hear very well. Remember, I'm sick. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. How about something else? Anything else drive you guys crazy? I can't hear. Whatever. Whatever. Thank you. Whatever. That one can get you in trouble. I'm going to talk about that one in a, in a minute. You know, uh, a buzzword that kind of gets me is perfect. If you ever go to a drive-thru, at least this happens to me once in a while. You do your order or whatever. I'm at Wendy's, you know, and I'm getting my spicy chicken sandwich. And the, the gal or the guy on the other end goes, that's your order? Perfect. And I'm like, you know, if it was perfect, I probably would have ordered the garden salad with the sliced uh, chicken breast on top. So I'm not quite sure that's perfect, but thank you very much. Or dude. Now, I use dude once in a while. I'll come on and say, hey, dude, how you doing? But people that use dude obsessively just drives me crazy, dude. Dude, you know what I'm talking about? Dude. Unbelievable, man. There's other words in the dictionary, dude, than using dude all the time, dude. Right, dude? I don't get it. And then whatever. That's the one that gets me sometimes. I do a teasing, you know, with Gene and I or, or, or whatever, you know. I mean, you just if you do a teasing, that's fine. But you know what? That's almost like saying the F word these days when you say whatever in a certain context. I'm not going to say it. But you know what I'm talking about, right? But a Christian word that sometimes drives me nuts is the word anointed. <gasps> yes. That word just drives me crazy sometimes. The word anointed or anointing. They've really become buzzwords in the Christian community uh, that can mean almost anything. I've heard it used in context like this before. Man, that song gave me chills. Dude, that song was anointed. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you said that this morning with today's worship. Dude, that worship was anointed. Or, man... That message you taught, man, you were so fired up. Dude, you were anointed. I don't know. From what I can gather, songs can be anointed. Sermons can be anointed. People can be anointed. If you grew up in the 90s, big hairdos can be anointed. And the bigger the hairdo, the more anointing you had, I think. I don't know. It's crazy. Just about anything that gives you chills or moves you to some kind of emotion can be defined as anointed. Really? Whatever. That was another joke. All right, so today, when before you leave, what I'm going to do here today is I'm going to give us good practical definition of what it means to be anointed, and it has less to do with chills and emotion, but it has everything to do with Holy Spirit. But before I get into today's 
teaching, I want to do a little bit of a recap. Today's week four of our series that we're calling The Helper. We're taking a look at Holy Spirit in the writings of Luke. Luke is uh, obviously one of the four Gospels in the New Testament. And two weeks ago, if you remember, Will Garten, who taught, did a great job, but he talked about Jesus being baptized, Jesus' baptism. And, and what we learned there is Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Now, it wasn't a dove, but it, it looked like a dove. And, and I have a map of Palestine here. I just want to point out a couple things. Uh, we have the Dead Sea here at the bottom, kind of in the middle. Uh, we have uh, Jerusalem to the west of that. As we go up the Jordan River, we have the Sea of Galilee. Galilee. We have Galilee, the area. There's Nazareth. And, and so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about Jesus' ministry in a couple of different of these areas. And you'll see the graphic come up as we do that. There's, there's a graphic I want to show right now. It's actually zooming in to show you where Jesus was baptized. So there's a baptism of Jesus right north of the Dead Sea there on the Jordan River. And so that was two weeks ago. And the last week we talked about Jesus is led by the power of Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And that was really interesting because as we discussed last week, we found out that Jesus was filled with Holy Spirit going into the wilderness. Jesus was tempted, and then when Jesus came out, he was filled with the Holy Spirit still. So really, Holy Spirit orchestrated that whole thing and filled Jesus the whole time. And so Jesus overcame temptation in the wilderness by the power of Holy Spirit. Today we're going to see that Jesus is indeed anointed. If you're taking notes with us, there's going to be a couple fill-in-the-blanks here. Um, and in your notes it says we're going to be going to Luke 4. So if you want to turn with me to Luke 4, uh, we're going to start at verse 14. We're going to figure out if we can, uh, we're going to see if we can figure out what this word anointed means and is all about. All right, Luke 4, 14, starting with that verse. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with Holy Spirit's power. I just made mention of that. This is right after the wilderness. And, and Galilee was a little bit more than about 80 miles. Uh, and if you consider that Jesus was probably walking, uh, he might have taken a donkey. It doesn't really give us much detail here. It just says that he was, he was there. It's a very long distance to stay filled with Holy Spirit's power, that's for sure. But continuing on, it says, reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, and here we see Nazareth on the map right there. It's right uh, in Galilee, right there, Nazareth, right off the uh, Sea of Galilee to the west there. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Before I read that, I just want to make mention that the synagogues back in the day, they didn't have what we know the Bible to be, right? So it's not like they handed him a Bible and Jesus said, all right, let me find Isaiah or let me find where I want to be. No, they had different scrolls. They probably didn't have all of the scrolls that were available at the time. But they had some scrolls. Each synagogue had some scrolls. I bet most of them had Isaiah. But the attendant handed Jesus the scroll of Isaiah that morning. 
And Jesus went and he found the place where it was written. And this is what Jesus read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. That's a powerful point of time right there in Jesus's ministry. This is basically kicking off everything. And what he is letting everybody to know is that he was, is the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy out of Isaiah. And what happens next? At first, they were full of awe. They actually said that they marveled at his gracious speech and the power in which he taught. Well, then there was a little bit more of a conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees. And by the end of that conversation, it turned out that they were in outrage of what he was saying. And so they kicked him out of Nazareth. They, they ran him out of town, basically, is what happened. I'm not going to go there because that's a whole different message and we're, we're not camping at that part. But let's rewind a little bit in the passage and read this Isaiah uh, passage one more time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives to be released, and that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Please don't turn there now, but if you look up this passage of the prophecy in Isaiah, you're going to see that there's more to what Isaiah said, but Jesus stopped right there. He stopped right before Isaiah predicts the day of the Lord's anger. I think that's significant. And it's significant because of this fact right here, because Jesus came to proclaim forgiveness in the favor of the Lord. God's wrath won't come until the end of judgment day which is still in our future. So right now, today in 2019, we are living in the forgiveness. We are living in the year of the Lord's favor still. But Isaiah, in his propheticness, and in, in his just writing down what God was telling him to write down, didn't see the thing in two phases, but Jesus knew that there was two phases to this thing. That's why Isaiah just kept going. But Jesus sat down and he stopped because he knew that he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy for the Messiah, and that now the year of the Lord's favor and forgiveness is upon us. And that word anointed, we see that word anointed right there. What, what, what does that word mean? Well, there's two Greek words for anoint. One of them is considered like a mundane uh, anointing, like maybe uh, uh, applying perfume or lotion or a healing balm or essential oils that I got all over me this last week. You know, something like that. I mean, mundane is kind of a, a weird word, but, you know, it served its purpose. But, but this word that is used here is, is creo, and it means sacred. It refers to the anointing of God's spirit, which is super interesting. Because if you look this word up in a Bible dictionary, it means, yes, Jesus was anointed 
to be the Messiah. He was anointed with God's spirit to proclaim and to do these different things. But if you look it up, there's a few more verses in the New Testament that use this exact same Greek word. And this word is for us too. It means that we, as Christians, when you've come into this dynamic relationship with Jesus, you've accepted this gift of salvation. God's spirit now dwells within you and you are anointed, basically. You have God's spirit covering you, dwelling within you. And the other thing is that there's similar Greek words that come off of this word that we're, we're looking at right now. Christos means Messiah, God's anointed one. Chrisma means spiritual gifts given to believers for ministry. And then we get our English word charisma from this word as well. Now that's interesting, and if you've been around Connect, you know I like definitions, and I like to understand the different definitions and how they're used in the Greek language because English, English is just so, you know, general sometimes. So it's really interesting. But more importantly than the definition is the fact that Isaiah tells us what anointing does. And Jesus then shows us what anointing looks like. And I think that's powerful, and that's where we're going to camp out here for the rest of our teaching time. The anointing of the Spirit empowers you to proclaim good news. It empowers you to proclaim good news. Basically, just the message of Jesus, that he came here to be the sacrifice for each one of us, and that through Jesus' sacrifice, we may receive forgiveness of sins, and then our relationship with the Father is reconnected. That's what the good news is. Spirit empowers you to proclaim deliverance, setting captives free, setting the oppressed free, whatever it means, whatever, whatever deliverance means for us in that moment in time, we proclaim that. Healing as well. I don't know what your, your church life has been like before, but here at Connect, we believe that there's healing for today, just like there was 2,000 years ago. I've experienced it myself. I've seen it for myself. And so we proclaim healing. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the lepers will be made whole. And then the anointing of the Spirit empowers you to proclaim the favor of the Lord. And I love that. I love that. You know, notice that Jesus didn't say it brings judgment. You know, uh, not, not to talk disparagingly about some people. Is that a word? Dispar- I don't know, whatever. Not to talk bad about some people. But some Christians, man, they love to talk about God's judgment, don't they? But Jesus stopped reading out of Isaiah right before God's judgment and his anger. Is there consequences to sin? Absolutely. As a Christian, when you mess up and you do something stupid, is there going to be a consequence? Yes, there is going to be a consequence. Absolutely. But we are living in God's favor right now and his forgiveness. We're not living under God's judgment. So say these with me. Okay, anointing empowers you to proclaim, number one, good news. Number two, deliverance. Three, healing. And then favor of the Lord, not judgment. Oh, I added that. You should have said that with me. Let's read that one again. The favor of the Lord, not judgment. Like I said, you know, there's consequences to sin, absolutely. But we're living in the favor of the Lord where forgiveness 
is the message that Jesus brought, and it's the message that we need to let people know exists today in 2019. I think the, uh, the secular world understands that uh, there's judgment in the world. Too many times the church has been the hammer. All right, I'm going off the rails. It's my fuzziness. I'm sorry. Let me bring it on back in. So let's talk about what that looks like in Jesus's life. How did, how did Jesus walk this out while he was here on earth? Well, right after all, we, we read about Jesus proclaiming this out of Isaiah and him being rushed out of Nazareth, he starts teaching around, around the area. And in Luke 4.31, he's in Capernaum. And we see that Jesus proclaimed good news and deliverance. Well, what Jesus was doing here, I'm not going to read it out of, the, out of the Bible. You can read the rest of, of Luke 4. But he was teaching in the synagogue like he always did on the Sabbath. And then there was a, a, a man that was possessed by a demon. And he starts kind of arguing with Jesus, kind of giving Jesus the business, right? So the demon opposed Jesus, actually threw the man to the ground. But Jesus spoke and he said, be silent and come out of him. And at that moment, the demon came out of him and the man was not hurt and the man was restored. No longer demon possessed. So there we see that Jesus is proclaiming good news and he was a part of deliverance in that man's life. Amazing story of the power of Holy Spirit. Luke 4.38, we see uh, Jesus proclaiming healing. Now this is an interesting one. We see that Jesus went to the house of a man called Simon. Not Simon Peter. We know a lot of times Simon Peter was Simon and Simon Peter. But this is a different Simon. And Jesus goes to his house, and Simon's mother had a very high fever. So what Jesus did then is Jesus came and he stood over her, and he rebuked that fever, and the fever left her. And then what did she do? What every good Jewish mother does is she got up and made dinner. That's what she did. That's what, that's what the Bible says. She got up and made dinner. In Luke 4.42, not soon after that, we see this, that Jesus is proclaiming the good news once again. And here he says that I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns. So evidently he was hanging around a couple towns or a town, and now he's going forth. So his ministry obviously is growing, and this is the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry here on earth. He's traveling around the region preaching the good news, and once again, it's all around that region right there by the Sea of Galilee up north. Now in chapter 5, verse 12, we see this. We see that Jesus proclaimed healing again. But it's interesting to note, he uses a little different methodology than he did before. If you remember for uh, Simon's mother, he just rebuked it. He just stood over her and, and spoke it. But here we see a, a man that has an advanced case of leprosy come into Jesus and, and, and asking for healing. And, and what Jesus does this time is Jesus touches him, lays his hands on him, prays for him, and heals him. He doesn't rebuke the disease. He simply touches him, a different methodology once again. And, and I just think that's kind of interesting. A little bit later on in, 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 ver, in chapter 5, we see verse 17, Jesus proclaims healing by forgiving sins. It's the forgiveness of sins and healing all wrapped up in the same deal. And, and this one is 
probably most familiar to us if you've been in church because this is the one where the friends tried to bring the paralyzed buddy to be healed by Jesus, but man, it was too crowded, so what they had to do is find a way on top of the roof, and then they they ripped open the roof. It's probably not like shingles like today, right? It was probably made out of hay and, and all this other mortar stuff, but they ripped through the roof, and then they dropped him down. And while Jesus is seeing this unfold, and this man all of a sudden is in front of him, he says, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the religious leaders, they went bananas when Jesus said that. They're like, blasphemy, blasphemy. What are you saying? Forgiveness of sins. So then Jesus asked, what? I just love Jesus's, I don't know if it's sarcasm, but it's just like, it's the ridiculousness of people, I guess, is what Jesus points out sometimes. So Jesus asked, what is easier to say? Sins forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? And so then what did Jesus do? Jesus said, hey, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> and so the dude was healed. He got up, got his mat and, and walked. And the paralyzed man was healed. Amazing demonstration, once again, of Holy Spirit power, right? All of these power demonstrations happened because Jesus was anointed by Holy Spirit and sent out to do those four things we talked about earlier to proclaim the good news, to proclaim deliverance, proclaim healing, and proclaim the favor of the Lord. Amazing when you take a look at it in, in that one, in that context of what's going on here. A lot of times we just read chapters and then we'll put our Bible down and a couple days later we'll pick it up and read another chapter. But when you see how all of this is unfolding in Luke, it's amazing. It simply is Amazing. Now I want to back up just for a moment before I go forward. In Luke 5, in the beginning of that chapter, 1 through 11, we see, of once again, a very familiar portion of Luke. This is the day that Jesus is preaching by Galilee, by the Sea of Galilee, and great crowds are pressing in upon him. And he sees a couple of boats there, one of one of which was Simon Peter's boat. And he's like, hey, can I jump in your boat? Let's push me out a little bit so that, you know, I can have a little bit of breathing room between me and the crowd so that, you know, I can see more people and that I can continue teaching. And Simon's like, absolutely. So they go out there and, and Jesus continues teaching. And at some point in time, Jesus says, hey, why don't you let your nets down on the side of the boat? And, you know, Peter's been a fisherman for quite a while now. He's he understands what fishing's all about. They'd been fishing. No fish had been there. And he, so he pushes back a little bit against Jesus. He's like, you know, Master, we've been fishing all night long. What are you talking about? Jesus is like, just let down your nets. So Peter does. He lets down his nets. And then the nets fill up with fish, so much fish that he needs to call his buddies over to help him bring in the haul. So much fish that the nets almost broke because of all the fish that he had. And then Simon Peter says this. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. Can you relate to Peter? I think we all can. I know I can. I'd raise my hand and say, absolutely. Even as a Christian walking with the Lord for 25 years, there are times where I still have this crisis of faith to where it's still like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to turn out the way that 
you're telling me it's going to turn out, Lord. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, these guys were experienced fishermen. Peter was experienced fisherman. He'd been fishing all night long. He knew that there was no fish there, so he doubted. But what he did then is he obeyed, let down his fish, and then all or nets, and then all these fish come up. Amazing. If I was to interview each one of us, I know that each one of us would admit, you know what, sometimes there's a little bit of fear and doubt there. But then being obedient, you continue on with God is telling you to do, and then you see the blessing of your obedience after the fact. That's what we see here in Peter's life. He was awestruck by the number of fish that were brought in. And then Jesus replied to Simon, and this is the same thing that Jesus will tell you and will tell me in those moments of time of fear and doubt. He says this, Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they land, they, they left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus was inviting them to join his mission. That's what he was doing. And he was actually doing something else as well. Jesus invited the disciples to join him in the anointing. Jesus invited the disciples to join him in the anointing. Soon, Simon, Peter, and the others, man, they would be anointed to do all the things that we've just talked about. They would proclaim the good news. They'd proclaim deliverance. They'd proclaim healing. And they would proclaim the favor of the Lord. And Luke wrote Acts, the book of Acts, which is also in the New Testament. And if you read through that, that whole book is a full of accounts of what Peter, James, John, and Paul, and all the other disciples, what they experienced as they proclaimed the good news, proclaimed deliverance, healing, and the favor of the Lord. And then the next thought I have is, you know what? Jesus is asking you and me to do the exact same thing. Jesus is asking each one of us to join him to proclaim these things, just like the disciples. And I know there was a, a, a water illustration a couple weeks ago. I didn't see that, Will. I wish we would have videotaped that because I really wish I would have seen exactly what, what you did. But here's another illustration. So I'm just going to fill this, this water up here. And so this glass is being filled up. And oh, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Jake. So... Man, I got Jake all wet. I got myself all wet. That's crazy. I don't know. Is that how yours went? No? Okay, it was a lot different, wasn't it? That's what happens when you let the anointing of the of Holy Spirit act in your life. It just doesn't affect you. I'm all wet, but Jake's all wet too. Everyone around you is affected when you let Holy Spirit work in and through your life. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I was talking with Pastor Russ this last week, and he told me of a story of when he was down in Mexico on a missions trip. And there was a woman there that was with him that was relatively a new believer. She had only been walking with Jesus for a short period of time. But they were in a prayer meeting this one night, and I think it was early on in, in, in their ministry work, and, and he was holding their hands, praying for her, because they were praying for each other, and they were praying for the, you know, the, the Mexi Mexican people that were there and whatever. But he opened up his eyes, and he saw her eyes, 
And he could sense and see physically that she was being oppressed. So she had given her heart to the Lord, but there were still things in her life that needed to be dealt with. And this was an oppression that needed to be dealt with. So what they did is they just gathered around her and started praying for her. And it wasn't like they prayed for hours. I mean, you know, they prayed for five or 10 minutes and then they could just physically see this oppression leave her and her eyes just got all bright and she just felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off for her. That was, that's an amazing story of, of deliverance from being oppressed, you know, and then, and then she would go on the rest of the mission trip. Wow, it was like it was a, a new person. She was just, you know, jumping into ministry, preaching the good news, praying for people to be healed, proclaiming the favor of the Lord. That's what happens when we let Holy Spirit anointing work through in and through us. You know, we've talked about healing here a couple times that Jesus has healed in, in, in here, and, and Jesus has a lot more stories of healing in the New Testament, and, the, and in, you know, obviously in the book of Acts, we see a lot with the disciples too, but it's interesting the different methods that Jesus used for healing. He spoke healing, he touched, and he prayed for healing. Uh, he said, your sins are forgiven, pick up your mat and go. I mean, he did all kinds of different things. And you know what that speaks to me is that I think as believers, we need to listen to Holy Spirit speak to us because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yes. But his methodology changes. And I think as human beings, we like to put God in a box and say, okay, God, you healed because I said this prayer this time. Now I'm gonna say this exact same prayer this next time and we'll experience healing. No, that's not how God works. We need to be Holy Spirit driven and be Holy Spirit listening to so that the anointing of the Holy Spirit can work in and through us. And remember, I've already defined what anointing or anointed means. It just means simply covered by God's spirit and his power. That's what it simply means. When Jesus invites you to join him in the anointing, to be used by Holy Spirit, what is your response going to be? Is it going to be, oh Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful person? You know, we all can say that, right? We all can say that to one measure or another in our lives. But Jesus is telling us, don't give in to your fear. Don't give in to your inadequacies in your own mind. I want you to be fishers of people. I want you to be a conduit for Holy Spirit power to work in your life and in other people's lives as well. You know, I think the enemy uses that for us and he keeps us at bay, at check sometimes. And it's really an excuse for us to not step out of our comfort zone in Holy Spirit power. Don't let the enemy keep you down any longer. We all need to operate in Holy Spirit power, and we can, because you know what? It's not you. You know, we pray before the service every week, and what I specifically prayed today, and I prayed a lot, is that, God, I want to decrease so that you increase. You know, God has all given us talents and abilities and all that, and, and that's great. Use them, but don't forget that when you're talking ministry, it's not about you. If it is about you, you're in the wrong business. 
<laughs> go somewhere else, you know? If it was about me in public speaking, I'd, I'd go do those TED Talks or whatever. It's not about me in public speaking. It's about God, me letting God use me to speak, but Holy Spirit takes over, and that's where the power comes from. Each one of us in our lives has that available to us. So don't sell yourself short. Jesus is anointing us to proclaim good news. He's anointing us to proclaim deliverance and healing and the favor of the Lord. When we step out in the power of Holy Spirit, we are exercising this anointing that I'm talking about. And the question I have, it's rhetorical, will you say yes to Jesus today? Understanding that the anointing we're talking about, Holy Spirit power is available for each one of us today in 2019. I'm going to ask the band to come forward and, and I'm going to ask the rest of us to bow in prayer. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for, for your word and, and, and man, how powerful it is and, and the different things that we can can get out of it as we just take the time to, to read it and study it and to pray over it. Man, I thank you so much for showing us that Holy Spirit anointed Jesus and, and Holy Spirit anoints us as well to do these things that, that Jesus was called to do and, and Jesus calls us to do the exact same things, to proclaim forgiveness, the good news, to proclaim deliverance and healing, and to proclaim the favor of the Lord. God, I know your judgment's coming, and that was part of my salvation experience. I understood that eventually your judgment would, would fall. But more importantly right now, we need to let everybody know that we are living in the time of forgiveness and in the time of the favor of the Lord. So regardless of what we've done, what others have done, we all need to understand that forgiveness is available to each and every one of us. And that's amazing and that's powerful and that's, and that's awesome. So I would pray for each one of us uh, that you would bury that deep into our hearts and our spirits here today. And, and maybe there's somebody here that, that hasn't accepted this gift of salvation that I've been talking about it's simply acknowledging that Jesus paid the price by dying for my sins and saying a prayer that, Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Change me from the inside out and affect the rest of my life as I follow after you and I learn more about Holy Spirit power and, and what that means in my life. So if that's you and you've said that prayer with me, today's the day that you just crossed over to having an abundant life with Jesus. And for the rest of us, God, I just pray that you would show us these things that, out of your word and how powerful it is. And we need not be afraid. We need not doubt. And understanding it's not our power, but it's Holy Spirit power working in us. We just simply need to say, Holy Spirit, use me. We step out of our comfort zones and we see what happens, and it's miraculous. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.